Welcome back to Work Human Radio, pioneered by Global Force, where we talk about bringing more humanity back to today's workplaces and how companies can create a more positive employee experience. My name is Mike Wood. I'm the social media manager for Global Force. And I'm Sarah Payne, managing editor of our blog. I'm assuming that everybody listened to the first episode where we talked to Susan Kane, but Sarah, can you just give us a quick recap? Sure. So Susan Kane is our Work Human 2017 keynote speaker. She's the author of the books Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't T- Stop Talking, and Quiet Power, The Secret Strengths of Introverts. In the first episode, we talked about recognizing quieter leaders in your organization, how introverts like to be rewarded. In part two, we talk about continuous conversations and feedback. And Susan is a big fan of radical candor. So we'll talk about what that is and how you can enforce that in your workplace. So here's part two of our interview with Susan Kane. So we talked a bit about this at the beginning, but um, in your book, you cite research from another work human speaker, Adam Grant. So he talks about how introverts in some ways can be better leaders than, than extroverts. Um, can you talk about this and just how we can get better at finding and fostering quieter people into leadership tracks? Yeah, um, so Adams was some of the data that I was thinking of. Um, they're not the only study like this. There's a number of them. His are some of the data I was thinking of when I was talking about introverts sometimes delivering superior uh, leadership performance. And um, in terms of how to find them and identify them, I, I I mean, I'll do this when I speak to your audience. I, I always challenge my audiences right while they're sitting there to, to sit there and think of a so-called unlikely, well, to think of somebody who they know who's very talented in general, um, but is a so-called unnatural leader. Uh, and it might, be, it might be themselves, or it might just be somebody they know or are working with. And... Um, they need to sit down with that person and come up with a one and three and five year plan and where does that person want to be. Um, introverts are often assumed to be less ambitious when they're not at all necessarily. Um, so find out what that person's ambitions are and how are you going to help them get there and how are you going to help them as a leader to step outside their comfort zone when they need to, but doing that from the perspective of drawing on their own natural strengths. So you're not asking them to turn into somebody else. You're asking them to use the strengths that are theirs. This is sort of related. Um, we see continuous feedback and conversations as a growing trend in the workplace, like you were saying, just having that open communication. How do you see this playing out for different personality types, um, both on the giving and the receiving end of feedback? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I really like the model um, of radical candor which is an idea of um, fostering a workplace culture where people really are speaking to each other openly about what went well, what didn't go well, and so on. But she makes the point that radical candor is not the same thing as brutal honesty, um, and that to do radical candor well, you have, to, you have to continually be showing how much you care about the people that you're working with. They know that you care about them, you know, then it's a lot easier to hear the bad along with the good. And she talks about how people who are not practicing radical candor go in one of two directions. They're either sort of too, they could be aggressive and uncaring, or I, I, I find many introverts uh, falling into the following category. 
or they practice what she calls ruinous empathy. <laughs> it's something we talk about at the revolution because this is, you know, when we err, I think we err in this direction. You know, and ruinous empathy is what it sounds like. You're relating so much to the other person or you know, so much worried about hurting their feelings that you don't tell them what you need to tell them. And that ends up becoming an unkindness in and of itself. We have also found that talking about these ideas in a constant way makes it easier to give that feedback because everybody has a shared language for it. You know, and you can say to each other, okay, I'm having a, I'm having a radical candor moment now, or um, I see us sliding into ruinous empathy, so let's not do that. You know, and, and it becomes a kind of shared joke and a shared language that eases the communication. And if it happens more often, I, you have to assume that it's easier and less painful. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I have a couple more questions. So extroverts are often perceived as more successful because they're more apt to speak up and sell their ideas. Do you think crowdsource feedback, um, when it comes from everyone in, in an organization, could paint a better picture of the strengths of both introverts and extroverts? Yeah, I do. And, um, you know, I, I've seen companies play with this idea. Um, there's one company, Right Solutions, whose founders or whose leaders had come from another company. And their previous company, the way ideas were solicited was you had to go and if you, if you had an idea that you wanted the company to pursue, you had to go and present it before what was called a murder board. And it was the job of the murder board, you know, to, to kill you and the idea. And, so it, and it wasn't about gathering the best ideas at all. So when they got to their new company, they instituted an online stock market in which every employee was given shares. And anybody who had an idea, research project they wanted the company to pursue, you could put it forth in the stock market and everybody could vote it up and down with their shares and vote whether they wanted to work on it or not. And they ended up getting ideas from all different people who they normally wouldn't have heard from. Actually, it sounds like a lot like what Gary Hamill talks about, um, especially uh, driving innovation, you know, giving everybody in the company a voice to share their ideas. My next question is about inclusivity, um, which is becoming a bigger trend in the workplace. Um, more companies are you know, trying to create more inclusive workplaces. Um, what would you say to our readers and listeners who want to make their workplaces more inclusive of varying personality types? You know, I think a lot of this is about getting these ideas out there and talked about. So making the question of personality difference and preferences part of everyday conversation. Because what, what the problem we've had is that until now, people haven't had a language for talking about differences like, wow, you know, I really want to come to work and I know I'm going to get my best work done if I can put my head down and focus for a few hours and go into a state of flow. Um, and that's one worker's preference, but maybe their coworker's preference is, gosh, when I'm working on a project, I really want to be checking in with my coworkers uh, regularly so that I know what they're thinking and, and can bounce ideas off of them. And if you can, if it becomes legitimate to talk about, and every day to talk about these differences, you can work out the compromises that you need. But what we found so far is that for some reason these preferences are seen in conventional workplace culture as not being legitimate. You know, it's more you've got to mm -hmm. go along with whatever 
her past practices have been, and she supports a different request would be seen as not being a team player. We're big believers in getting these ideas kind of out into the forefront. One of the ways we've been exploring to do that is we've been launching quiet ambassador programs uh, within different workplaces. We started with LinkedIn. And we've been helping companies identify people within the company who are passionate about these ideas, training them and coaching them in these ideas, and then they kind of go forth and, and go into their teams and into their organization to take these ideas and get people talking about this stuff so that it grows organically and it becomes part of everyday life. I, I believe that's the way to do it. Yes. Yeah, if, if you want to talk a little bit more about Quiet Revolution and you know the work you've been doing there, that would be cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Quiet Revolution is a company that I founded after my book came out, and I had been intending to kind of immediately go forth and write another book on a different topic. Um, but I found that there was such a hunger, especially in the workplace, for knowing, okay, what do I do with these ideas? How can I take them and use them to improve the culture and engagement and morale in my workplace? So we created Quiet Revolution, and we are working with lots of companies to do exactly that. And we're most excited about the client ambassador program that I was just describing. Um, and it's, it's growing wildly, uh, especially in Silicon Valley, but beyond as well. Yeah, and it's really exciting because we're, we're finding that the people who serve as client ambassadors within their companies, um, not only are they affecting change within their companies, but they're also taking that experience and using it to establish themselves as leaders because you know, they're going into their teams and saying, hmm, let's rethink how we do our team meetings. Uh, let's get our team talking about what it needs. And suddenly they become the go-to people on their teams who, who are really improving people's everyday experience of work. So it's a virtuous cycle and it's really exciting. That's awesome. And I think it's, it improves everybody's work because, like you say in the book, there are way more introverts than people expect. Um, a lot of times people don't raise their hand and say they're an introvert, and you don't assume somebody is one. Um, sometimes it's very unexpected, right? Oh, my gosh. That is such a good point. I've got to tell you, you know, I, I've gone and spoken out so many um, companies and universities and so on, and so often the leaders of these organizations will tell me they are introverts too, and you would not necessarily have guessed it um, because <laughs> – Many introverts learn how to pass, and, you know, as we were talking about, not always, or they feel it's not always acceptable to identify themselves that way, but they're everywhere. Um, I mean, the statistics tell us that it's one out of every two or three people on the planet, um, so it's a lot of people. Actually, somebody recently was shocked when I told them I was an introvert, and their shock was almost like, oh, no, you're not an introvert, like... Like yeah, it's a bad exactly. thing to be an issue. Right. Right. And it's like, and no, I'm that. I'm proud of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um and I, I think that some of that comes from the perception that the word introvert implies, you know, a hermit living on the edge of the forest or something. But we're really talking about, as I said, you know, up to half of the population. So this is everyday stuff that's affecting people at a really deep level. And in fact, you know, I I would say the word that I hear most frequently um, from people who have either read the book or gone through higher evolution experience is the word permission. Like, okay, I, I now have permission to be myself. 
And paradoxically, mm-hmm. once I grant myself that permission, I'm now much more effective in my you know, so-called extroverted roles because now I'm going and delivering that speech or um, that sales presentation or that job interview, and I'm doing it from a place of personal power instead of feeling like there's something fundamentally wrong here. So my last question is, how would you define a more human workplace? Well, I believe um, fundamentally a more human workplace has to do with a workplace that is kind, that acknowledges that uh, people come in all different shapes, sizes, stripes, uh, and personality styles, that people bring all kinds of stuff with them when they come to work, and that people want to do work that matters. And I mean, I, I love what you guys are doing because I know you're coming at your work from this perspective. Um, and I also think that you're part wonderfully of a, um, of a growing cultural trend that recognizes not only the moral value of looking at things this way, but even the bottom line value. And, and so, you know, these ideas are no longer seen as being squishy. I, I think people get that they actually matter and make a difference. If you want to learn more about introverts, you can register to hear Susan Kane speak in person at Work Human 2017. This year, it's in Phoenix, Arizona from May 30th to June 1st. You can visit workhuman.com for more details. And for a full transcript of this interview, please visit the Global Force blog at globalforce.com slash gfblog. Also, if you would like to come to the conference, just put in the code podcast and you'll save 100 bucks. So tell your friends, podcast, save a hundred bucks. Join us next time for our third episode of Work Human Radio, where we will be talking to Adam Grant. Sarah, do you want to give us a quick sneak preview? Sure. Adam just wrote a new book. It's titled Originals, How Nonconformists Move the World. And we talk about hiring and developing original thinkers, and he gives us some good advice. Great. So join us next time for Work Human Radio.